BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth and justice, believers in peace, freedom and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you. It's Wednesday, the first hour of our program. It must be time for Middays with Mark. That's what we're calling it, right, Congressman? That's right, Tom. I appreciate it. Thanks. Okay, it's Middays with Mark Pocan, the U.S. Congressman representing the 2nd District of Wisconsin. He's the co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus here in Washington, D.C., in the House of Representatives. Pocan.house.gov is the website, and you can tweet him at Rep, R-E-P, as in representative, Rep Mark Pocan. Congressman, and, and by the way, if you have any questions for Congressman Pocan, our number is 202-808-9925. Lines are open, as they say in the radio business, and he will be taking your calls as soon as we have a brief conversation. So, uh, Congressman, what, what do you, what's at the top of your hit parade today? Well, I think, you know, getting ready for going back next week, uh, we're in for 12 days in September in which we have to uh, pass a budget um, uh, by September 30th, uh, debt ceiling uh, either going to be tied to it or immediately following, and uh, a threat from the president that if he doesn't, you know, get the wall, he's uh, going to shut down government. So, you know, that has a huge impact uh, across the board for everyone. So I think that's going to be um, kind of at front of mind for most members returning. Yeah. What what is the uh, status? I, today is the last day. In fact, let me get over to the website. I was just there this morning. Uh, if you go to FCC.gov and then uh, click on uh, public comment, and then at the very top of public comment is the uh, public comments, which closed today on uh, restoring Internet freedom. It shows 8,570,000 um, what do you call it? Uh, people have have uh, posted there. And if you go on and look, they're all, you know, saying in fact, now it's showing twenty one point eight million results. So there must be twenty one point eight million comments here. Um, your thoughts on all this? Yeah, you would think that would be uh, more than satisfactory for them <clears throat> to not go in this direction. But, you know, they're they're trying to play with a line that, you know, the big, big providers, AT&T and Verizon and Comcast uh, and a few others, uh, you know, really want to be able to control more around the net. Not only do they want to charge you for Internet access, but they'd also like to charge websites uh, for a fast lane access. Uh, what that means are the big, big companies with lots of money uh, can get access to you quicker rather than that local business that you may buy from that has a web presence. So it, it's a bad idea, um, and I think anyone who's not one of the biggest uh, telecom providers should be against it. But, you know, uh, this is Trump's uh, appointments on the FCC, and I think we're, we're concerned to what direction they may go. Yeah, I find it amazing that uh, the, the television, the cable TV networks, are owned by companies that are suing the government to end net neutrality, and they're not discussing this topic at all, I just maybe maybe they have been today, and I missed it. But like I said, today is the last day for comments. I, I just this is amazing. Um, yeah, you, I, I think if people can comment, I mean, it's a good thing to make sure. The more they have, the harder it's going to be for them to come up with a decision that's uh, just in the best interest of the telecommunication companies. So, yeah. um, if people can, they should try to do it today. Now, the Republicans have have. Uh, they were, they were not enthusiastic about sending money, particularly Texas Republicans, sending money for Hurricane Sandy relief. And uh, as I recall, they weren't all that enthusiastic about even Hurricane Katrina relief after 1,800 people died uh, while George W. Bush was out uh, having cake with 
John McCain at a birthday party. Um, what's what's going on with this right now? How do you expect this to play out in Congress? Well, you know, this is going to be, I think, particularly interesting because um, when we had Hurricane Sandy relief, Paul Ryan voted against it. 179 Republicans voted against it. I believe everyone in Texas but one Republican voted against it. And, uh, you know, that that was a wrong vote for them, right? I mean, we have to, or as a country, we have to, if there's a, a big disaster, we all have to be there for it. And, you know, it's been interesting to watch Republicans in the Northeast who uh, were affected by Sandy, who voted for Sandy Relief, saying, hey, we're going to support Texas, because this is what our job as a country is. But then to watch, you know, Ted Cruz and other uh, House Republicans from Texas trying to spin this that there was a bunch of pork and everything else, and, you know, uh, Trump, uh, Cruz got three Pinocchios for that. I mean, th- this is our job. This is why you have government. And, you know, it's it's going to be interesting if we have uh, people trying to stop uh, assistance going to Texas. And, you know, Speaker Paul Ryan, who's supposed to be the adult, you know, gets credit often for being the adult, was one of the people who voted against Hurricane Sandy relief, and I think that's significant. Yeah. yeah the, today is the day that uh, Trump, is supposed to be officially starting to peddle his so-called tax reform. Um, there's a great piece in the New York Times today by uh, Sarah Anderson titled, It's a Myth that Corporate Tax Cuts Make More Jobs. Um, what, what, is, what is the position of the, of the Congressional Progressive Caucus on well, you know, we would love to see, if you want to have tax reform, then we'll give you a very, very different direction to go. Um, you know, we think uh, that you should have uh, higher rates on some of those who are making more money. Uh, and let's respect uh, those who are working Americans. Uh, if you're going to talk about taxes, not uh, just the top 1% and 2%, not just corporations. Uh, we already have plenty of loopholes. Corporations can buy a company in Ireland and do a tax inversion and pay nothing, which many of them do. There's already all these loopholes. Um, I think it's be enormously hard for them to get anything done because I would say 20% of my meetings, Tom, in Washington are people who have some little niche carved out uh, of a tax break and they want to preserve it, and that makes it harder than health care, and we saw how successful they were on that. But uh, we would go in a very, very different direction, uh, making sure that those who uh, have the most can pay a greater share and that we provide real relief to people who are uh, working uh, class Americans and those aspiring to be in the working class. Yeah. What's, you know, I'm, I'm watching with considerable horror both the activities of uh, Scott Pruin and Ryan Zinke uh, at, uh, at uh, EPA and, and Interior, respectively, um, and, and the lack of coverage. There's, these guys are aggressively, uh, you know, making it easier and more profitable for big companies to poison our air and our water and our food supply and 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 open up public lands for drilling and and mining and all this kind of stuff it it just it seems crazy to me what is there anything that y'all in congress can do about this well, you know, uh, I, I go back to probably what I say almost every week is elections have consequences, right? You know, the Republicans are in charge of the House, the Senate, and the White House. Uh, they're allowing these actions. It's very, very difficult. It's not just in this area. I was speaking with a bunch of labor leaders this morning talking about all the, the rule changes that the Obama administration put in place in the last year of their administration that are being turned back uh, from OSHA to um, uh, union rules to uh, all sorts of things. And uh, yet you don't hear much about those either. Um, you know, unfortunately, whatever the president says in 140 characters will will get all the press uh, from the corporate media. And some of these real actions that are affecting people across the country uh, don't get the same attention. And, you know, unfortunately, I, I don't see Paul Ryan trying to change direction on that because he's so complicit with whatever happens out of uh, the Trump administration. Uh, we're going to have a lot to fix when we uh, finally get the House majority back. Yeah. Well, let's hope that's a year and a half from now. Congressman Mark Pocan with us, the co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, representing the 2nd District of Wisconsin in the House of Representatives. Pocan.house.gov, your opportunity to ask your congressman a question. Middays with Mark. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Or with Congressman Mark Pocan right after this. Your call is Welcome back, Carl in Manchester, Manchester, Ches, Man, Ma, oh, McChesney Park, Illinois. Hey, Carl, what's up? Hi, uh, I, I was uh, wondering how uh, the Iron Stash is doing in his campaign against uh, Paul Ryan. I understand he's 
raising a ton of money. Congressman? Yeah, I, you know, um, Randy Bryce is doing a great job, and um, I, I believe uh, watching Rachel Maddow tonight might be something uh, useful for some folks to do, because uh, I understand they, they had a poll, and they may be releasing some results which are very, very positive uh, for Randy Bryce. He's working real hard. He's been uh, handling the issues right, uh, working real hard on things like health care and other issues uh, to provide a real contrast. This is a real race. Paul Ryan is in for the election of his lifetime. Uh, we have a chance to flip a seat uh, just across where you live in McChesney Park uh, in, into Wisconsin. And um, I think people should be watching this race uh, as one of the top races in the country to be really keeping track of. Gary in Cooperstown, New York, watching Free Speech TV there. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, uh, Tom. Hi, Congressman. I just um, I mentioned to the um, to the screener that uh, this morning I was watching MSNBC, and an Al Jazeera English reporter, Shahid Ratansi, was talking about climate change and how it affected the cover, you know, the uh, situation in Texas. And when he got to talking about the money that was spent, made by the oil company, the denial of the oil companies, and then also that Texas politicians would be held responsible, they cut them off, and. I know we talk about this a lot about the corporate media not covering climate change, but I've got living proof on tape that they did it. We never saw anything else of Shahib and the rest of the reporting. Uh, they went to other rescues and other, you know, things that would be, uh, you know, other shiny objects, if you will. And I just wondered about is there anything anybody can do other than just out watch MSNBC, but um, just the, the the hypocrisy of not covering this in in the light that it should be. Sure, Gary. I, well, first of all, I mean, I, I think what we've learned is, you know, the oil industry has known about this for a long time and uh, selectively chose to do nothing. Um, that information starting to get out more. But, you know, I, I think any of these Texas Republicans who haven't voted for flood relief for other areas who still deny climate change as this happens to their own communities and their own state, you know, I think the flood insurance debate that we have coming up also very likely in September, how can you not argue that we're having major climate changes uh, and that they've got to point to something uh, that's doing that? I- I'm hopeful that, uh, again, people are way ahead of where elected officials are. Elected officials are still kowtowing to the oil and, and other industries that don't want to admit there's climate change. Uh, but we're winning because people understand what's happening, and we just have to replace the people who won't change their ways. Yeah, seems like a pretty straightforward process. Congressman, we just have 30 seconds till we hit the break. Um, what what's your best advice for people who want to change that situation? Well, I mean, I think, you know, whatever group you think is doing the best job on those issues, uh, I always argue double down with those groups right now. They can magnify your voice, call your representatives, make sure they know where you stand. People are doing that more than ever. But then work with those groups that you believe in on those issues you care about and let them magnify your voice. Uh, we're winning on all of these fronts if we keep unified. Yeah. And, and I don't even think it's a big if. I, I think people are really coming together right now. And you're one of the real heroes of the movement. Congressman Mark Pocan, uh, the co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, uh, pocan.house.gov, and the website, you can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan. We'll be right back with more of your calls. Welcome back, Congressman Mark Pocan on the line with us, taking your calls middays with Mark here on the Tom Hartman program on this uh, Wednesday first hour. And Deborah in St. Paul, Minnesota, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, um, <clears throat> excuse me. I w- I just had an idea. Maybe people thought of this before, but is it possible we could, you know, we all get a Social Security number? Could we all get a voting number so then there isn't a problem with the names? you know, duplicating, and maybe that would alleviate that problem. Well, and Deborah, that is part of what we're, we have a bill right now to say if you're going to purge someone, you have to have their Social Security number to prove that they're not, um, that the two people are the same number, because what they're doing is taking, uh, you know, Jose Rodriguez in um, uh, Florida and Jose Rodriguez in Oklahoma and just purging them because there's two Jose Rodriguez, which is a, still a fairly common name and not enough to differentiate. Therefore, we're saying you need a middle name, you need a Social Security number. Um, but I think, you know, it does come to this automatic voter registration issue. I mean, how can we make sure 
it's not a burden to become uh, to be able to do your civic duty, which is to vote. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I think we should have all suggestions on the table, Deborah. And you're right; we all get a social security number. I know that some people. Um, uh, I think we need to look at all options to figure out how we can ensure that that is a sacred right, in addition to uh, putting it as part of our Constitution, which uh, Keith Ellison from your area and I are trying to do. Kevin, in Santa Fe, New Mexico, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Thank you for taking my call, Congressman Pocan. I am concerned about the South Texas nuclear plant. Not only this hurricane visit every one of our major refineries in Houston, Beaumont, Port Arthur, and Lake Charles. But there are three nuclear plants in its path, and with a floodgates forecasting a 45-foot crest in Bay City and a 41-foot retaining wall around the South Texas plant, I'm a little concerned, especially with Rick Perry in charge. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> Rick Perry alone in charge of anything should make people worry. But um, your your point is is well taken. And again, it goes back to this whole debate around climate change. People who want to ignore the science because there's some special interests that uh, want to want them to ignore the science. And yet, that's a real life ramification. You know, if it has if we we have problems with power, with nuclear plants, with just about anything that's affecting real people. Real people will die. And uh, you can't just continue to ignore it because the oil industry is going to keep practicing in the exact same way. So I think it kind of comes back to that original fight. I think most people, um, Democrats, Republicans, independents, uh, understand uh, what climate change is. We have to just force that upon uh, those who are our so-called leaders. Dave in Canton, Ohio, you're on the air with Congressman Mark Pocan. Dave? Let's stand serious. XM. Hello. Hey, Dave, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hello. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm concerned about President Trump's pardon activities. Is there any way that the, the Senate or the Congress can pass a bill that limits his powers to pardon you know, I'll tell you, I think we may have to, with this president, you have to look at everything differently because he's operating so differently. I mean, I think um, part of the, the pardon that happened um, for the sheriff in Arizona was based on just the president thinking uh, that some of his base are outright racist and he's doing it for them and, quite honestly, for himself. Um, but I think a part of it was a signal to all the people that are uh, being called in on the investigations on Russia uh, that, hey, look, I'll have your backs early and often. You don't even have to ask for it because they're claiming Sheriff uh, didn't even ask for it and all of a sudden uh, got the pardon. I think there's more of a message that came out of that, not just to keep his race baiting that he's been doing uh, over the last several weeks, which has been just awful, uh, but also to send a message that, you know, keep quiet, and if something happens to you, I can take care of you. I've got the power of pardon. I think he enjoys uh, king-like powers as a president. Well, he's always been a, a CEO, which is functionally a king. I mean, right. corporations are, are essentially feudal institutions, so maybe he just thinks that's how it's supposed to be. Matt, in Norfolk, Virginia, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, Tom. Thanks for taking my call. Congressman Pocan, it's an honor to speak with you today. Um, my question is about the, the budget. Um, I don't know how how the budget rules work, but can uh, if he threatens to veto your budget bill if it doesn't include the wall, do you guys have the power to overrule his veto? And if so, um, is there any sort of plan or steps being made to do so? Well, I think we're probably a little ahead of ourselves because, first of all, I think uh, many of the Republicans support what he's doing on the wall. There are some uh, remarkably on border districts who know it's a bad idea uh, that may not support that. But, um, you know, if he would veto it, yes, we would have the ability to override. But I think that is many steps yet ahead. And I personally think often when the president says something, it's bravado. It's when he doesn't say it, you got to watch out. Um, like when he uh, did the initial ban on uh, people who are transgender serving in the military. We didn't have advance notice. It just happened in a tweet. I think that's the problem. He often puts these ideas out. He does them in rally settings. He does it for the applause from his adoring fans to you know to cover his narcissism. But um, I don't know if he'll actually live up to it, uh, one. But more importantly, I think the Republicans likely are to keep will keep funding in for the wall because uh, most of them support that. Sam in Estes Park, Colorado. Sam, we got a minute to the break. Real quick question for Congressman Pocan. 
Yes, uh, impeachment. I called my representatives here in Colorado, Senator Bennett, Gardner, and Congressman Paulus, and I didn't. Well, I wasn't surprised by Gardner's response about impeachment um, because he's a Republican, but I was surprised that Bennett and Paulus didn't really seem, well, their staffers, I spoke to staffers, didn't seem that they had any statement of any sort of force or strength on this issue. And I'm just wondering how come it seems to me through them that the Democrats aren't like taking up this rhetorical space on the battlefield like much more passionately. Yeah, Sam, it's going to be hard in 20 seconds, but let me say this. Um, I think many of our members uh, are talking about it. We say we have every option open, including impeachment. And uh, we also realize that you need a, a majority, you need a bunch of Republicans to join with us in order to do that. And we're not there yet, but uh, we need to keep the pressure on because uh, so far I've heard a new case for impeachment that I thought was very compelling this week. And I think we need to keep every option open. We'll be back with more of your calls for Congressman Mark Pocan in our Middays with Mark Hour here on the Tom Hartman Program. First hour Wednesday, Congressman Pocan, the co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, a Democrat from Wisconsin, taking your call. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Call 202-808-9925. More of your calls for Congressman Pocan right after this. Fantasy football fans, the wait is nearly over. Football is back, which means FanDuel is back. FanDuel is fantasy football for everyday fans. They have new contests starting every week, so there's no busted seasons. FanDuel has something for everyone. Lots of contests to choose from, starting at just $1. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. Hey, would you like to have Colin Kaepernick on your team? He's on mine. There's a lot of ways to put together and personalize your team, and boy, the games just get better and better. Over 2.5 million players have won a cash prize playing fantasy sports on FanDuel. Sign up today. Go to FanDuel.com, click the Join Now button, and use my code TOM, T-H-O-M. New users get free entry into the NFL Sunday Million with over $1 million in cash prizes when you make your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com and sign up with promo code TOM, T-H-O-M. That's FanDuel, F-A-N-D-U-E-L dot com, promo code TOM, void where prohibited. Welcome back. Tom Harmon here with you. A couple of quick reminders. I have a, a piece that uh, was published on Alternet a few hours ago. Uh, we have to be vigilant about the coming smear project against Antifa. The media is busy creating a left-wing threat to balance the awful racist right-wing hordes who threaten civil society, just an FYI. And also, if you go over to FCC.gov and uh, click on your, uh, you know, uh, filings, uh, you'll see that uh, as of today, there have been 21,800,000 people who have weighed in on net neutrality. As of the last 30 days, it's been 8.5 million people. A lot going on there. You might want to get your voice in. Today's the last day to do that. Congressman Mark Pocan on the line with us. Taking your calls, it's our Midday with Mark segment. And Bobby in Kaiser, Oregon, you are on the air with Congressman Pocan. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, Congressman, I'm a, a veteran. I've been using the VA health system for over 20 years. Um, I've had colonoscopies done. I, they found a polyp that God hasn't turned uh, uh, cancerous yet. So I've had a few colonoscopies done. I get an annual physical every year. I've had a couple surgeries. And they've never billed me or charged me for anything. But since Trump's team has taken office, I've had two doctor visits, and now I've gotten a, uh, a bill for $50 copayment for each of those visits. Is this something I can expect now, a $50 copayment? And do you know why this started? I, I can't tell you why it started. What I can tell you is we're facing a number of attacks that are going to be even greater than what you're mentioning uh, when it comes to the VA system, because there is, I think, a true effort to privatize the system. So we started out with the so-called Choice Act, because some people supposedly weren't getting uh, good care. You know, we recognize the system in Arizona had bad management. In Wisconsin, at Toma, we had a problem with uh, the prescription of opiates. But uh, the vast majority uh, of the VA system runs very, very well, and people get great care out of it. In fact, my Tea Party uncle in Colorado, who followed me around at a wedding once, telling me everything that was wrong with the federal government, at the very end said, but leave my VA alone. Um, So we understand that there's the value to it. Our fight right now is just fighting back against these little slippery slope bills 
to uh, nick away and nick away and nick away, and eventually you won't have a functioning VA system. So keep vigilant and make sure you're reaching out to your representatives in Oregon, uh, Bobby, about these bills, uh, because it's important that we uh, hold the votes tight so that they don't destroy our VA system. Scott in Xenia, Ohio, you are on the air with Congressman Pokin. Good afternoon, uh, Congressman. Thank you for your service to your country, and Tom, thank you for the service you do every day. I please. Um, I am petrified of the right using Harvey as a political football. Legislatively, what can you do to keep them from boxing you into a corner when you vote for the relief for it by keeping off things like the wall or like tax breaks for the rich or the typical right wing stuff that they're trying to do legislatively right now? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for your comments, Scott. And uh, you know, we're going to have to be vigilant on whatever they may do to try to put a package together. Um, as you said, you know, we've got a. This is the month we have to keep government open um, or face a shutdown. And uh, everything from flood insurance could be attached, uh, perhaps the wall. Although I think they can still do that through the budget process. Uh, I don't think tax breaks would be able to. But you're right to be watching for everything. Uh, we're going to have to do that. I mean, it's important that we take care of everyone who's been affected by Harvey, but if they try to politicize that, uh, we have to be able to stand up and, and have that backbone to make sure we're doing not just the right thing for the uh, people of Texas and Louisiana, but also making sure that they don't pull a fast one on the American people. Patrick in Seattle. Hey, Patrick, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, Tom and uh, Congressman Pocan. Thank you so much for your time and information. I'm calling about the issue of gerrymandering, and it seems like, uh, well, yesterday there was an article in New York Times about the impact of uh, Republican-controlled state houses strengthening their grip on uh, their electability, and I'm just curious what the Democratic Party is doing to offset that, uh, that trend. Yeah, Patrick, great, great question. Um, I mean, gerrymandering is why we have a Tea Party uh, or their their ability to continue to have par- power. Uh, gerrymandering is why uh, in Wisconsin we had 100,000 more votes for Democratic uh, candidates for Congress, but they have five of the eight seats uh, in Wisconsin, and it's even worse in Pennsylvania and Michigan and Ohio. Uh, you know, gerrymandering is uh, taking away that really one vote uh, per person balance because uh, they're selecting who votes for them rather than the other way around. So, uh, luckily, uh, we're seeing uh, Barack Obama and Eric Holder stand up nationally doing a bunch of work around this. It's very, very important work. We've got bills in Congress, but won't become law with a Republican House uh, and a Republican Senate. But we're trying to do everything we can to talk about it. In Wisconsin, there's a major case that's before the Supreme Court right now. We're anxiously waiting for those results. I think in October uh, we should see those. But uh, you you pegged it right. Uh, gerrymandering and those state legislatures is so important uh, in the next two election cycles. Uh, we have to pay attention to those legislative races because that's where the lines are drawn for both Congress and state legislative seats. Paul in Denison, Texas. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Thank you, Tom. And uh, Congressman Pocan, it's an honor to speak with you, sir. Um, Thank you. Uh, my question today uh, has to do with, uh, with organized crime, actually. I mean, now that we've elected uh, essentially an organized mob boss as a president and, and our Justice Department is now being run by this mafia, uh, what steps can, can Congress begin to take to begin to actually rein in corporate power and uh, uh, put a stop to, to the, the monopoly and duopolies that we're seeing in every industry? And, and it, just, it just seems like things are, are kind of snowballing out of control. Yeah, Paul, uh, great concerns. And, and let me answer it in this way. I was heartened to see in the um, House and Senate uh, Democrats' proposal for a bitter deal they put out there. One of the major focuses that they understood uh, that's important that we, when we talk about economics, because uh, that is the, the driving issue that, unfortunately, I don't think got the attention it needed to in 2016, um, is the antitrust laws that, quite honestly, came in under Bill Clinton and have now gone to a really terrible spot where we have consolidation in industries. Uh, there's a reason why one major airline was able to drag someone off a plane is because there's only a few major airlines to even choose from. And that's true in uh, big real estate firms, big banking firms, uh, go down the list. 
And it's those antitrust laws that uh, often on the board of directors within a few industries have the same people on the boards of directors. So all the decisions are made to make sure they're uh, enriched and not in money put back into the company or the employees. So I was heartened to see that was one of the major planks of that better deal proposal. Uh, we are working on uh, Mark DeSalny from California, Debbie Dingle from Michigan, Don Nurkross from New Jersey, and myself, a, a, um, a future of work, wages, and labor project that we're putting out at the end of the month. And that's one of the major uh, parcels of that. There's some good work happening to make sure that's more um, made more getting more public attention, and I think that's going to be positive, Paul, because I know people will agree with us on this when they see all the the facts about it. Dave in Canton, Ohio, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hello. Hey, Dave. How you doing? Uh, I was on a little earlier and I got cut off, and I was asking about the uh, possibility of limiting. Uh, Trump's uh, pardon powers. Well, it's already um, it's already limited to he cannot he cannot pardon against state crimes. I mean that's that's the that's the giant loophole that could be used against Trump, isn't it, Congressman? Uh, yes, in fact, you know one of the interesting things that um, came out of a discussion I had heard in the last twenty four hours was. When you look at, uh, for example, the interference with elections that happened, if the Trump administration won't do anything about it, perhaps individual um, election officials or secretaries of state or whatever the structure is in a given state, one of those 37 or 39 states that were hacked into, they should have a legal recourse and ability to go after it. So um, I think the president does have somewhat of a limited pardon, but we can be creative and find other ways to make sure that we're still getting to the truth and getting the results we need. Leslie in Central Square, New York. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hello? Leslie, you're on the air. Yes, yes. Uh, I want to talk about a couple of things quick, like here. Uh, in 1996, I think it was, Bill Clinton signed a law into the law with uh, Newt Gingrich uh, with the Communications Act. I can't name it right now. I assume you guys can. It's called the Telecommunications exactly. Act of 1996, yes. Yes, exactly. What that did was it took away our freedom of the press. We have no freedom of the press because of that law, okay? And the Democrats have never done nothing about it after that, okay? And it's been 25 years or more. No, There's no freedom of the press. you got six conglomerates, and they trade information back and forth all the time and stuff. And I don't believe that's legal either, okay? This is very terrible. This is the stuff that makes America work, you know? And we don't have a free press. We don't. Well, let's, let's get Congressman Pocan's thoughts on this. Well, I, I think, you know, Leslie, I, I agree that there are some concerns on how the corporate media covers things and doesn't cover things, because trust me, we've often tried as a progressive caucus, we, we have rallies and press conferences with lots of people and they never get covered uh, by the corporate media, because if that's not selling detergent uh, during the news hour, it may not get covered. And I think some is explicit. They don't cover things uh, because of uh, who their advertisers are, or who their owners are. Um, I, I still, I'm a journalism major. I still believe there is a good amount of freedom of the press. However, uh, there are certainly challenges out there. And if we have something like the net neutrality law change, I think that's a, a attack on that freedom of press. And there's other things that could happen as well especially an administration that treats the media uh, like they do, trying to demonize them in order to get their agenda done. Congressman Mark Pocan taking your calls for the hour here on the Tom Harper program. Uh, uh, 202-808-9925 is our telephone number. You can reach Congressman Pocan. You can check out his website at pocan, P-O-C-A-N.house.gov. You can tweet him at Rep. Mark, M-A-R-K, Pocan, P-O-C-A-N. And uh, we'll be right back with more of your calls. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Right back in just a second with more of your calls. And welcome back. Uh, Rob in Milpitas, California. You are on the air with Congressman Mark Pocan. Thank you, Tom. And I'm calling about the uh, resolution that was passed uh, this past Sunday at the California Democratic Party Executive Board meeting, which called on the DNC to essentially stop ignoring voter suppression and rigged vote counting machines. Um, as we kind of saw in the Austin campaign, no matter what we as Democrats do to get the vote out, um, the voting counting machines seem to flip the results because 
it appears that uh, John Ossoff got two votes for every one vote that Karen Handel got. And I was wondering, uh, Congressman, what can we possibly do to get the DNC to pay attention to the rigged vote counting machines and start turning this around? Because I think we already have enough voters going to the polls. Even, you know, they've got gerrymandering, they've got all the other voter suppression modes methods, but once we get there, our votes are not being properly counted. Yeah, so so Rob, I think you bring up a really strong point because uh, one of the concerns that I saw along with Keith Ellison and Hank Johnson, uh, Keith Ellison from Minnesota, Hank Johnson from Georgia, was the the hacking that happened and the fact that they were going after the companies that make our voting machines and going after election officials. So what we did is we introduced a bill called the SAFE Act. And what it does is, is a couple of things. One, it makes sure that every electronic voting machine has a receipt, so you have a paper receipt. Uh, two, it makes sure there's random auditing afterwards, 5% auditing, so that it's uh, less of incentive for anyone to try to uh, rig an election because you can get caught during that process. Three, it makes sure that um, we uh, have the commission that the Republicans originally this year earlier voted to get rid of that has to approve uh, the patches that go through. And four, it puts our entire election system under the nation's critical infrastructure definition, which is what our financial systems and our utilities are under for the utmost protection. We have to do some of those things at a bare minimum to protect that election infrastructure so we have the integrity protected. And there's more things we can do as well, and you brought gerrymandering up and other issues. But on the election machines themselves, let's make sure uh, that they are absolutely – you still have a, a commission to approve uh, any patches and changes that happen. Let's have a paper ballot. Let's have random audits of those elections. You know, Ireland tried paper, uh, tried our electronic voting machines in one election. They not only – uh, got rid of them. They refused to sell them as voting machines. They were afraid somebody might actually buy them and use them for that. So they sold them into the scrap metal market uh, based on the weight of them. And, you know, they were they were crushed and, and sold by the by the ton or by the pound. Why? Why should we have any computers, particularly privatized ones at all in our voting chain? Well, and I think yeah, that's a real significant conversation. If we are going to see future attacks, which I think we're going to see, uh, why do we have five companies, including one company that has been explicit supporter of Republican politicians, making machines? Uh, part of our uh, infrastructure uh, maybe should also be that we as a country um, are going to have the production. Uh, it, you know, there's computerized machines that aren't the touchscreen ones, right? I mean, there's ones where you fill in the Scagnatronic, you know, and, and those sure. I've done hand recounts. So I don't want to say anything computerized, but I do think, you know, we've got to have that security within any machine that is electronic. Yeah, I, I you know, I remember in, in, uh, in Georgia years ago, this we had a producer, uh, his uh, on-air name was Zen Pickle. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he lived in Marietta, Georgia, and he went to vote. And uh, this was in a minority area. He went to vote, and he tried to write in a name, and it crashed the machine. He crashed six voting machines in a row, and each one of them, they had to wipe all the memory cards. All the previous votes got lost. Anyhow, we'll be right back. Welcome back. It's Middays with Mark. Congressman Mark Pocan taking your calls here on the Tom Hartman program. Anthony in Watsonville, California. You are on the air with Congressman Pocan. Oh, thank you, Mr. Hartman, for taking my call. Sure. Thank you, Congressman Pocan. Uh, my question is about voter suppression, and... Um, we're always on the defense with the Republican Party. They're always at one step ahead. My my thought is, if if this Chris uh, cross check by Chris Kobach goes through, they try to push a bill. Can we have a rider on the bill so if a corporation gets caught doing something illegally, they can't contribute to the Republican Party like a felon can't vote? Hmm. Ah. Anthony, I like your thinking. Um, that, that's an interesting suggestion. Uh, you know, I, part of the problem right now is it's hard to get anything attached to a bill if it, you know, with a Republican House, Senate, and, uh, and President. But I really, it's an interesting concept because I think many of us have a problem with the idea that a corporation is a person when it comes to campaign contributions, but uh, not when it comes to putting someone in, in prison. And I, I like uh, the type of outside-the-box thinking you so have. So any corporation convicted of a felony. Yeah. Can 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 cannot lobby for the next twenty years or something yeah. like that, you know, until they've until they've had their their parole, their probation. That's that be a person. That is a, yeah. yeah, that is a great <laughs> idea. Sheena in Prairie Grove, Arkansas, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, thank you guys for what you do, uh, uh, Representative. My question, uh, I heard you mention it a week or two ago about uh, Bill. I 
believe you said it was H.R. 669, that would prevent any president from initiating a first strike only. Uh, and I think you said it was sitting in Paul Ryan's office. And I was wondering if there's any movement on that, because that's what terrifies me the most with this president. Yeah, I don't know the number offhand. I apologize because there's over 5,000 bills in there. I think the only one I really know is 676 in Medicare for All because I talk about it just about every day. But um, on that, I mean, yeah, there's so far no movement uh, that we have um, on that bill. And I doubt, given Paul Ryan's um, experience on what he just did to us on the reauthorization uh, for Congress to get involved on uh, declaring war, that he would be very good at helping us out on this one either. Dave in Somerville, South Carolina. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hey, good afternoon, sir. Um, uh, Congressman, quick question. I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and about, just about all of my friends who are in unions there uh, voted for Trump. And I still can't figure that out. But um, is it illegal or legal for you as a representative to attend a union meeting and try to explain to these guys, you know, what they're voting for and how they're you know, hurting their future by voting Republican? Yeah, Dave. Uh, so first of all, I know it's not illegal. Um, this morning I sat down with about 50 labor leaders in my district. Um, you know, I'm part of uh, IUPAT, the Painters and Allied Trades myself. Um, you know, I think what we found, and I've talked to a number of union leaders who polled their members afterwards, you know, there's a lot of uh, economic frustration out there, and uh, they think that Washington and the, and the and the system and the elite still run things, and I don't think uh, they're they're wrong. And they looked at uh, Trump. Uh, many people stayed home, and that's what we saw in Wisconsin. A lot of union people uh, just decided that uh, the the Democrats didn't speak to them in the last election, and and they still didn't trust Donald Trump. And some went with Donald Trump because he actually gave a very good surface answer on trade. The problem is his details really weren't there, but they've been impacted by trade. So I think our job is to do a much better job on talking on those economic core issues. That includes collective bargaining. We have better wages and better uh, working conditions. Uh, people can go home at the end of the day without a risk of uh, dying or being injured at work because of unions. And we need to get that message out, especially with Labor Day coming up on Monday. So um, I think we need to really uh, get more of in a reintroductory lesson about what unions have done throughout history, why we have weekends, why we have a 40-hour work week, etc. Uh, but no, it's not illegal to go to union meetings, and I, I would hope more elected officials would do it. Kerry in Homestead, Florida. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Kerry? Homestead, Florida. Yeah, that's me, Kerry Cox. Yep, you're on the air. Mr. Hartman, thank you for taking my call. I really appreciate it. This is my first time. Thank you. And uh, I want to thank the congressman for uh, being there with you to show bravery, for one thing. That's, that's, that's most important to me. But I'd like to ask the, con uh, the uh, congressman, would he uh, uh, pro a proposal for a national identification for uh, uh, voting, for voting registra uh, registration in the uh, national elections? You know, and you can have uh, the duplicate of... Uh, both of them, I'm sorry, redundancy at least. So no, I, I hear you, Terry. Um, so first of all, let me just say, I mean, I appreciate Tom opening up this opportunity because I consider I'm part of the legislative arm of the resistance. Uh, and what I'm trying to do is share what's happening in Washington while you're all contacting your representatives and helping us provide us ideas. We're all on the same team. So uh, this is a great opportunity. And I think, Tom, for what he's doing and connecting all of us, you know, I think anything we can do to get to uh, automatic voter registration, it shouldn't be a barrier. It shouldn't be a timeline. Uh, we need to get much better on this. That's why I've, uh, along with Keith Ellison, proposed a constitutional amendment to guarantee a right to vote that would do that. Uh, I'm open to pretty much anything that would make it easier for people to vote legally, which is the way they're voting. Okay. Uh, Chuck in Winter Park, Maine. We have 90 seconds to the end of the hour, Chuck. A real quick question, please, for Congressman Pocan. Yes, uh, sir. I'm very concerned about hedge funds. Hedge funds are caused a lot of trouble uh, for us here in a little village in Maine. We had two, two of them, one brought up all the medical clinics, another one brought up all the phones. Uh, so it's a real problem, and I want to, I don't know if I, how this figures in the plans, taxation plans, but I certainly have a fear of these heads. Okay, let's ask Congressman Pocan his thoughts on this. Yeah, well, well, first, I mean, I think around taxation, when it comes to passive income and other things, we do need to have a 
different conversation um, because uh, I think there are strong arguments that we should be taxing rates differently on some of that income so that we're getting a fair um, uh, compensation as, as everyone else who's making money. You know, I, my big fear, quite honestly, a little broader, if I can, t- um, Chuck, is that uh, they're rolling back Dodd-Frank across the board, and that's going to take us back to the pre-2008 era, and that uh, almost devastated the economy. Uh, We can't let that happen, and I think we have to really push back on our elected officials who are doing that and make sure people know we want consumer protections and we can't let uh, the banksters go back to being banksters. Do you think they're going to succeed in in gutting Dodd-Frank? Uh, they are right now in the House, and if they can get it through the Senate, um, you know, we got to be careful of those few swing Democrats and what they'll, you know, they could possibly accept. But the Republicans are, are almost unanimous in, in trying to gut it. You know, to be fair, there's a few things that could be uh, fixed because we haven't been doing our jobs. The bureaucrats might have been a little aggressive on some but of the But that's not what they're interested in. Yeah. No. Congressman Pocan, thanks so much for being with us. Absolutely. Thank you. We'll be back. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Fantasy football fans, the wait is nearly over. Football is back, which means FanDuel is back. FanDuel is fantasy football for everyday fans. They have new contests starting every week, so there's no busted seasons. FanDuel has something for everyone. Lots of contests to choose from, starting at just $1. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. Hey, would you like to have Colin Kaepernick on your team? He's on mine. There's a lot of ways to put together and personalize your team. And boy, the games just get better and better. Over two and a half million players have won a cash prize playing fantasy sports on FanDuel. Sign up today. Go to FanDuel.com. Click the Join Now button and use my code TOM, T-H-O-M. New users get free entry into the NFL Sunday Million with over $1 million in cash prizes when you make your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com and sign up with promo code TOM, T-H-O-M. That's FanDuel, F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com, promo code TOM. Void where prohibited. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you and super happy to have in the studio with me Nina Turner, the president of Our Revolution, the former state senator from Ohio and Bernie 2016 surrogate senator. Welcome back. Thank you, Tom. Senator Turner. And it is so nice to have you in the studio and happy Thank you so and, much. And this is not your birthday. You want to tell us about it? It is our revolution's birthday. One year. 365 days today. Yes, today, when Senator right. Bernie Sanders launched this revolution, is very similar to what he said on the campaign trail of millions and millions of people. Get together, right? Get yeah. involved. Yeah. We can change this country. We can change the government. We can change our future. And by good, you know, people have done that. They're doing it. So really excited. We have to date over 400 groups right now across the country, 49 states. I want to. I want South Dakota to know that we're coming. <laughs> you like, don't have a group in South Dakota. Don't have a group in South Dakota. If South oh. Dakota's listening, please, please, I guarantee, please. I guarantee you, there are people in South Dakota. Oh listening, my, so. We need the revolution in South Dakota. Okay. And seven of those though are in other countries. So wow. we have two in Canada. So we are international, worldwide. Is, but two in great. Canada. We have, I think, two in France. So. I, w- I want to thank the Democrats abroad for that so very great. much. But this is good stuff. And by the way, uh, Senator Turner can be with us for the whole half hour here. So if you have, if you'd like to ask her any questions, feel free to give us a call at 202-808-9925, and we can put you on, and, and the both of us can talk to you. So in in one year, what what is your sense of how how we're doing in, in, at, at one year old here, our revolution? Not only how our revolution is doing, yeah. but how the Democratic Party is doing, which is the focus of much of the efforts of our revolution, or or maybe not. I mean, correct well, me. Well, we, I mean, we empower the grassroots, and we go, we take a deep, we go into our states and our communities in ways that I don't think any other group does. I mean, just to give an example, Randall Woodfin, young African American running in in uh, Birmingham, Alabama, for mayor, mm-hmm. running on a progressive platform got the endorsement of our revolution, just came out of his primary just yesterday, or I'm sorry, Tuesday, over over the incumbent. Wow. Yes. That's great. Over the two-term incumbent. Wow. And that came not just by our revolution, but he has a re- wonderful team, but we backed him 
Was this, was this a, a primary against a, a, a corporate Democrat or was this yeah, an election I, against a Republican? No, it was a Democrat. It is a Democrat. So this young man is going, you know, to the to the runoff in October. But I use his his election as an example, because here you have uh, young people all over this country and they're running. One of the things that Senator Sanders asked people to do, get involved in the process. Now, you don't always have to run for office to be involved, but that is one way. And in order for us to change the trajectory of this nation, it's not just going to happen through, from the White House or from Congress or even the state legislatures. We need school board members, city council members, and by God, we definitely need mayors. So proud of, of Randall Woodfin. Still have, he still has to get to October the 3rd, but that is just one example. We don't just concentrate on the president, the office of the president or the Congress. Every single office. We even do state party. A transform the Democratic Party is part of our, our works. And we have seven, we help to elect seven progressive chair people across this country. So we're doing the work, progressive candidates, progressive issues, and doing our best to transform the Democratic Party to make it more accountable to the grassroots. Yeah. And, and, you know, to all of us, yeah. absolutely all of us. The People's Platform, did the People's Platform come out of our revolution or has our revolution uh, just embraced it? I, I don't know the Yeah, it did. And, and we have some partner groups like DFA, Democracy for America, National Nurses United. So we have uh, uh, other groups that are helping us with this. But yes, this was born by coalition and we have eight bills or seven bills. And, and most of the, all of those bills have been introduced in the Congress by Democrats. Right. All of those bills link at some way to the progressive platform. Remember, we kept hearing the most progressive platform in the history of the country was passed by the Democrats in July, where here it is. And so what our focus is, is to get members of the House of Representatives to sign on to those bills, to affirm that Medicare for all is the way to go, to affirm that $15 an hour minimum wage is important. And I want to go back to the Medicare for all bill because we know that Congressman John Conyers, he introduced that bill in the House and Senator Sanders is going to introduce his bill in the Senate, but it it really comes from that push and the fact that Democrats just can't, this is not just about resisting Mr. Trump. This is really about having a plan and having a vision. Mm -hmm. and it's inspirational. People don't vote from their head. They vote from their heart. Mm. Now, I believe if you can touch their heart, we can get to their head, but we got to start with their heart first. Right. And this is the problem of arguing rationally with Trump followers, for example. Yes. They, they, they've, they've, become so tribal, essentially. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is my guy. This is my tribe kind yeah. of thing. And it's just, uh, and, and I think that's constantly being stoked by, by uh, Fox so-called news and right-wing hate radio. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the, the pieces of the people's platform, uh, Medicare for all, yes. college for all, $15 minimum wage, women's health care rights, automatic voter registration, ending private prisons, Wall Street tax, and 100% renewable energy. These are the eight uh, platform points. Do I yeah, have these right? Do. Um, how are we doing on these? The, the Medicare for all you just mentioned, it's, you know, yes. Bernie's going to be introducing that. Um, this is not something that I think any of us are naive enough to think Republicans are going to embrace. Although, you know, I suppose pigs can fly. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's, it would, I'd, I'd be worried about the apocalypse if Republicans started to <laughs> embrace that. But but let's hope some yeah. will. And maybe yeah. some on the local level, I mean, even though they couldn't vote for it in the Congress. But wouldn't it be nice, Tom, to have people put aside that that label mm -hmm. and just come together and do what, what is right? Last time I checked, Republican folks need some, some health care, too. Last time I checked. Well, and a lot of Republicans actually support single-payer or Medicare for all. Mm -hmm. If you describe it to them as anything other than... Uh, Medicare for all or single payer. Mm -hmm. you know, if you just right. take that label off, just right. explain the concept. Yeah, exactly. No, that's what the polling says. Yeah. Too. Not that you know uh, polls are not everything, but they're a snapshot in time. And they, mm -hmm. but this is, the, and the fact that there are the elders in this country, Medicare for all, Medicare has been working tremendously well. We don't yeah. see seniors jumping up saying, "Go ahead and take my Medicare." It's not working. Hey, I'm on Medicare. Right. I love it. Love it. So yeah. let's let's do it for all. Yeah. Let's make sure that people have access to high-quality health care. You remember, Tom, Teddy, not Teddy Roosevelt, but FDR, President FDR in 1944, I think, when he was rolling out that Economic Bill of Rights, mm -hmm. he called it, and he talked about decent jobs, decent housing, health care. Yeah. You know, let's go, let's, let's do it. There it is, right there. Oh, you have it? Oh, my God. <laughs> he has it. See, you FDR and I are telling each other, yeah, right? right? 1944, President FDR proposed an economic bill of rights. They were 
Every American has the right to. Now think about that. Right. He said the right to, not maybe, not kind of half measured, have has the right to a job, an adequate wage, and decent living. We didn't plan this time. I want I want I want your <laughs> listeners and viewers to notice yeah. a decent home, medical care, medical care. Can I say that one more time? Medical care, economic protection during sickness, accident, old age, or unemployment, a good education. And that was 72 years ago. Oh, my God. I mean, you know, it's not like, yeah, this is, there you go. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> there you go. We did not plan this. No, but, but that's, but <laughs> it's true. Haven't. That's exactly how. Oh, my how. God. Oh, this, this is in my, this is my this, little stack. Of, this is inspiring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So that's, that's Medicare. And then the college for all, how's that going? And the, and the, and the fight so, against college, to, you know, having college debt. I mean, we've got a, yeah, trillion, massive, a trillion, trillion dollars of college debt out there, which is insane. Combined college debt. Yeah. And that has an impact on the middle class and people don't look at it that way. I really want people. I mean, I know we've distilled it down to say free college and university. but I want people to think of it this way, Tom. I want them to think about how in this country at first everybody was not couldn't didn't have access to education. You had to be wealthy. You had to be male, had to be white. Let's be honest about it. But over time we progressed. And so now we have this K through 12 model needs fixed somewhat a lot. It's another show. But we need to envision in this 21st century economy a pre-K to 16 model. So this is not necessarily about free. It's about investment. Right. So if we can invest $80 billion a year to house people in prison, yeah. why can't we make that same, a better commitment on the front end to ensure that our folks in this country are highly educated, especially the millennial generation, the generation after them, they won't be able to compete with their peers across the world unless they're highly skilled and Highly educated. It's an investment. Right. And every other developed country in the world makes this investment. Yes. And we learned after, again, going back to FDR, actually, I think it was Harry Truman mm-hmm. who, who did the, uh, the GI Bill of Rights, mm-hmm. the, GI, the GI Bill. And, and uh, what we learned from that is that for every dollar that we spent educating mostly young men who had come back from yeah. the war, but uh, there were some women who also qualified for it, but that for every dollar that we spent educating these people, we made $7 in additional taxes mm-hmm. over the course of their lifetimes. Mm-hmm. So it's not only an investment in the country, it's an investment, you know, just in a purely cold financial right. context that, that ideally a Republican could even understand. Yes. You know, wouldn't you want to make an investment where you put $1 in and over the next 30 years you get $7 back? That seems like a good idea. That's a good return on that investment. Okay, so and then the $15 minimum wage, how are we doing with that? Yeah, so the goal is really to get every Democrat in the House of Representatives to sign on to this bill. So we have, you know, certain sign on. People can go to ourrevolution.com and, and to see whether or not their member signed on to see exactly where, where they stand. And we encourage people to call their member of Congress to say to them, come on now. Yeah. There, you, there you go. And yeah. if you want to call your member of Congress, it's 202-224-3121. We'll be back in just a moment. Stick around. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Senator Nina Turner with us, the president of Our Revolution, ourrevolution.com. You can tweet her at Nina Turner. Welcome back. Josh, in the Dalles, Oregon, watching us on Free Speech TV, you are on the air with me and Nina Turner. Hey, Josh. Hi, Josh. Hi, Tom. Hi, Nina. Nice to talk with you. I wanted to ask you about uh, the recent election in Seattle. Um, they had a, they created a People's Party. Uh, some of the activists that worked with Shama, uh, Shama Sawant, uh, who's a city council member, uh, independent socialist in uh, Seattle, uh-huh. They supported uh, two other people running for uh, one for city council and another one for uh, mayor, and they've both kind of uh, one of the city council uh, candidate is still in a running, but they both ran against uh, pre- sort of progressive Democrats that were uh, supported heavily by labor, and they've kind of both gotten beat, and the mayoral race is kind of concerning. Because now it looks like an establishment candidate and sort of a more corporate Democrat are running. Uh, they're the two that are going into the general election. The the two major progressive candidates beat each other 
one was running as a Democrat, the other one running as a People's Party. Mm-hmm. And then I also wanted to ask you about, um, I guess there's a, a conference or a, a, a big event that's happening with Cornell West and Shama Sawant, and they're calling for uh, a draft Bernie uh, push. In a, in a third-party context. People, a Josh, People's Party. Yeah, so Josh, Josh is that thoughts? your question? Is, you know, what are your thoughts on, on this third-party pitch? Is that... Yeah, yeah. Well, if you followed the Seattle race at all, uh, number one, and number two, also this push to get uh, uh, Bernie to, to create a third party, okay. similar to how the Republican thank you, mm-hmm. Yes, thank Senator? you, Josh. Wow. Well, I did not follow that Seattle race uh, quite you know, real closely. Me neither, so I can't comment on yeah. the accuracy or lack thereof. Of you, I don't said. know if Josh's point is whether or not he thinks that they canceled each other out and maybe there should have been some more planning and collaboration uh, in those races. But I will say this. This is America and people have a right to run. We compete for those seats and the competition is good. It really is. And although if you're the incumbent, I've been an incumbent. Mm -hmm. You know, you look, you say, I've served well. How dare somebody run against me? That's just your human thought. Sure. But anybody running for office, whether they hold the office or they're running for the first time, you got to earn those votes. And that is what makes democracy robust. To the extent that people believe that they deserve these seats or even own these seats, that's when we have a problem in in, in this country. So I, I applaud folks running for office. So, but at, at what does does our revolution have any position on whether uh, you know Bernie should run as a People's Party candidate or so, you know some new political party should be created? I I always assumed that you were supportive of the Democrats. Our revolution does not have a position on that. And the senator has said time and time again that he wants to make the Democratic Party better. You know, he went on this unity tour with Chairman Tom Perez and folks saw the energy all across the country. And he was there. People really responded. People came up, uh, came out for him because he was involved. But the senator is really trying really hard. Now, he critiques the Democratic Party. He will critique them. He, He said sometimes that, you know, it seems as though... The Democratic Party is on on the Titanic, certain people on the Titanic. They don't care if it goes down as long as they got, you know, front row seats. That is a strong critique of a party, though, that he is trying very much to to hope to change. He knows he can't do it by himself. And that's why our revolution exists, to transform the Democratic Party. But, you know, I'm not, you know, we had about 311 million people in this country. And the fact that we put them all into political parties, we have to think about it. On April 15, 1949, Pacifica Radio KPFA 94.1 FM, Berkeley, California, went on the air for the first time introducing listener-sponsored community radio to America. And there was a, a guy named Charles Hutto who actually participated in the massacre years later. Well, he said, I was 19 years old, and I'd always been told to do what the grown-ups told me to do. But now I'll tell my sons to forget about authority, to use their own conscience. I wish somebody had told me that before I went to Vietnam. I didn't know. Now I don't think there should be even a thing called war, because it messes up a person's mind. Howard Zinn, Virtual Optimism, The Other Side of American History. Did you know that you can get most any of the 50,000 Pacifica broadcasts in our collection? Visit us online at PacificaRadioArchives.org and help support the Archives' mission to preserve Pacifica's broadcast legacy. Welcome to the Million Color Revolution. Welcome back. Uh, Senator Turner, we have callers for you from uh, Oregon, Ohio, New York, Oregon, Washington, and California. Let's uh, pick up some. Okay, here we go. Patrice in Eugene, Oregon. You are on the air with Senator Turner. Yes, good morning, and thank you for both of you for all you do. Um, I wanted to make the comment, when we go round and round and talk about our um, political responsibilities and our citizenship, and people are often asking you, Tom, what can they do, especially when it comes to how the Republicans are always uh, stealing the elections with their gerrymandering and their voter fraud. And I just feel, um, having lived on the East Coast and now being a resident here in Oregon, that 
if people were to petition their legislators to have mail-in voting, we can do away with all the discussion about what um, lines of the polls and what's rigged. And, you know, I just feel like the Democrats should really come up with a campaign to really drive, um, you know, that type of uh, action. And I think that it would, the results would be more honest and, um, you know, wouldn't have all this. Uh, yeah. Patrice, let's get to, let's get Senator Turner's thoughts on this. Thanks for the call. Yeah. Uh, Louise and I lived in Oregon when uh, it was around the time that they introduced uh, mail-in voting. Mm-hmm. And uh, they went from being kind of in the middle of the country in terms of voter participation mm-hmm. to being one of the top one or two states. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't remember the exact numbers. 68% sticks in my head. But mm-hmm. you know, some really large number of people started voting yes. once it got real easy. They just mailed a ballot to you. There literally are no polling places. In right. um, thoughts? Ohio has a mix. You still go to the polls, but, you know, to, to your polling location, but you can mail in, too. I mean, anything that gives more people more access and takes away the barriers, we should push. We should push for automatic voter registration, which is, you know, a pillar in the people's platform. But I think Patrice is on to something. There are some people, though, who still like to go to that polling place. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a feeling about it. I'm yeah. one of those people, yeah. uh, probably because of my heritage uh, more than anything. But I like to go there and commune with my neighbors and my community. But absolutely, states in this country should do what is necessary to create enfranchise as many people as we can. And mailing in the ballot is one good way to do that. There you go. Kenny in Columbus, Ohio. Hey, Kenny, you're on the air with Senator Turner. Hey, thank you both for taking my call. Um, Ms. Turner, um, one of the questions I have, I have a statement and a question. It seems like the state of Ohio here has given up on um, state and local candidates here, that we would continue to run people like Ted Strickland for governor, knowing that that don't work. And my other, my question is, um, if the Democratic Party was seen to fight, why doesn't it fight as hard against the anti-voter legislation? Just like here in Ohio, they decided to, to scrub the rolls of anyone who didn't vote in two elections. We have to get those voters back. And what is the Democratic Party doing to ensure that these anti-voter registration laws are pushed back and to get those voters back? Okay, and and the senator yeah. has to leave at the bottom of the hour, so we've only got thirty seconds for you to answer. Wow, I'm that's sorry. that's a deep question. I mean, yeah. listen, I know Governor Strickland; he's really a, a good man, you know, and 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 he ran for that Senate race, and and I get it. The Democratic Party can do more. I want to encourage all of us to do more as well. The purge is is ridiculous; it's terrible. When we come back, maybe when I come back again, we can talk about the Help America Vote Act. Mm-hmm. Some of that purge is linked to that, but but play, people like John Husted has taking it a step further than it needs to, to go. Democrats should always be in the business of enfranchisement. Yeah. Always. Yeah. So from the gutting of the VRA right. to what is happening in states like mine and other states, South Carolina, North Carolina, all across this country, we should always do it, whether it's popular or not, because it really is the foundation of this democracy. One woman, one man, one vote. Amen. Nina Turner, thanks so Thank much for being here. Thank you, Tom. So good to have you in the studio. Coming up tomorrow, we'll have the latest news and information from Wall Street and Main Street, all points in between, plus the best of the rest of the news. And don't forget, democracy begins with you. Get out there, show up, participate, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.